This episode is brought to you by Sunrise Banks and Lifetime. Welcome to another episode of BTT Discussions. This is a special and exclusive live in-person edition. I'm excited to have Kelvin Johnson here with me. He's going to be telling his story about brevity and just kind of his journey to how he got here today. So, Kelvin, welcome to the show. brother. Thanks for having me, bro. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do, and we'll jump into the more, you know, details later on, but just kind of give a quick intro. Quick intro, Kelvin Johnson, um, been in Minneapolis in September 2017. Essentially, we've created a product going off of the phrase, when you confuse, you lose. So Brevity is AI-powered software that helps people create persuasive pitches. Um, and we're in a time and day where we're competing against like three external forces outside of our control when it comes mm-hmm. to delivering a message. Competing against shrinking attention spans. We're in this TikTok generation. Yep. People want instant um, we're competing against low comprehension rates, but then we're also competing against, by surprise, Zoom fatigue. So it's that yes. much more important to be clear, concise, and compelling to better influence your target audience. Dope, dope. So let's go jump back into your story a little bit. What we like to do on, on, on our podcast is, you know, inspire and kind of showcase the pathways of our guests to how they got here. And, you know, some of the things we talk about is, you know, what made you get into tech? And what made you believe you can you can actually do it as a black man, right? And you kind of came through sales and a couple other things. So if you want to just kind of jump back to maybe around college, what were you interested in at that time? Yeah. What were your majors? And then kind of jump through that to where you got to today. <laughs> this is funny. I was a finance accounting major at Villanova. Both of my parents are sales professionals. They were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Being a CPA, you can't stop running your mouth. They were right. So my first job, I was a CPA at Ernst & Young doing audit. Um, very short-lived. I did get the certification that has helped, you know, as we've raised capital in our process at Brevity now. But after that, made a transition into management consulting where it was a good mix of salesmanship, but still being analytical, still being a nerd. Loved consulting, got a good background, but two things I didn't enjoy. One, I didn't see my ideas come to fruition. So your way, I was doing technology enablement, management operational excellence for like major financial institutions they would we would send a report it would get CRO CFO approval and then I didn't necessarily see that project get implemented or the recommendation get Mm -hmm. implemented so that was a downfall of consulting but the second part is I started to get good at extending work and selling projects but as a uh, senior associate you don't get comped on that until you're an associate director director and being an impatient millennial, I'm not going to wait, you know, 10 years to get bread that I think I deserve now. So I was at a crossroads in my career. Do I join the dark side, which I call sales, like my, what my parents do? Or do I go somewhere where I can see my ideas come to fruition? So I chose the latter, and I became the fifth employee out of a, out of a tech company in Denver, Colorado. And that's where that inspiration, that drive to eventually become my own tech CEO started. At that company, I was a director of ops and finance. I led a product team of 10 .NET developers in New Delhi. I led account management, led ops. Eventually, the reason we're in the Twin Cities, they purchased two companies up here, one in St. Louis Park, one in Plymouth. So I did the due diligence all the way to post-merger integration of those two companies. Then I got a promotion to run the entire business unit. So I went from not ever having a quota as an account executive, but then having to sell 
my damn self, like not only being responsible for the sales team when I never had an individual quota. So that was a change management type of experience within itself. And that CEO of that company always said, when you're mature, um, keyword mature, mature, and and you got a business that's (laughs) worth investing in, I'm going to fund your company. And he eventually, you know, kept his word and, you know, handed me a check at the gallery of mall 18 months ago. So that's kind of how we transitioning from you know being on microsoft excel for you know 13 hours to now mostly pitching so that's dope i love your journey i love i love you know uh that confidence and kind of advice your parents gave you early so how influential were they in your like development when it came to approaching these things because a lot of times you know we see our uh black men and women kind of struggle with going after their goals or their dreams, believing they can do certain things. And it sounds like you powered through a lot of these things and had that freedom to experiment yeah. in what you really wanted to do and, and, and find yourself doing. So kind of talk about that as well. It started, it started young. So like my dad always, you know, told me when you wake up in the morning, you know, excuse the cuss word, you, he, he looks at the mirror and says, I'm the baddest MF I know. Yeah. And I heard that constantly <laughs> as a child. But what I think they did a great, great job of was a good balance of, like, giving kudos when, you know, I did a good job, whether that was sports, academics, friendships, um, but also, like, a kick in the ass if I wasn't, like, performing up the standards. So I yeah. got a good mix of hugs, but, you know, butt whoopings if I wasn't, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> on my grind. So, sure. but the irony is that when I when I left that, I, I got promoted in consulting and I was doing a good job. When I told them I was joining a, uh, the fifth as a fifth employee of a tech company in Denver, they weren't, at first, they were yeah. not too thrilled about that. But because of that confidence and belief system they instilled in me early, I was able to be my own independent, you know, man and make that decision. And it was hopefully second best decision I made in my career after brevity. Was that coming from them from a just like a protective standpoint or did it feel like they were going to have to chip in if it didn't work out? Probably both. to keep Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. For sure. So now you come and uh, and you work with this company. Did that kind of give you the motivation to eventually become a founder now that you've been so close being the fifth employee? Yeah. So that, yes, without a question. But the, the cool thing about that culture, whether they realized it was happening or not, I was going from wearing three-piece suits in New York to, like, people were dressing in shorts and hoodies. And it, you just felt, mm-hmm. you know, I remember one of the first tasks, they were like, Kelvin, we need you to hire two customer success reps. And I'm like, in consulting, I'm used to, like, getting approval to to Mm. go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many, like, rooms and bells and whistles, and they're just like, yo, why are you asking me? This is your team. Like, send a job recommended. Like, send a JD. Like, find where to to post it. Like, it was just more freedom to be fluid, less oversight. And, you know, sometimes being a black man in corporate, you're like, right, shouldn't say the wrong thing or mm-hmm. shouldn't act a certain way. And no, nah, it was like, it really encouraged me to just be my, my almost my full self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's definitely been a theme on the on the show over the, the seasons is like being able to be yourself at work, especially in corporate. And then what percentage of that? So even mm-hmm. the most confident people were like, no, nah, I didn't have no struggles getting into tech. I didn't blah, blah, blah. But there's still always that point in the story where there's like, well, 
yeah, the afro wasn't happening or my beard or I like wearing sneakers or, you know, there are times where I didn't speak up and, and it seems to be that thing. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of our, our listeners that are allies and that are working in corporate and that are HR team managers yeah. and stuff like that, I think they're trying to figure out what does that mean to not be able to be your authentic self because they don't know the, those cultural nuances, meaning you're Kelvin in any situation, but like, and it's not a matter of like inappropriate work, appropriate work. It's more of like those cultural nuances that are like this, this part of me is not for this environment. Yeah. So like speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So let me pitch back. You're basically saying that because of some of the cultural like nuances, mm-hmm. you may not be fully showing up your authentic, most authentic self. Yeah. The first thing I think about is that hurts productivity, dude. Yeah. You know, even I told you earlier before the podcast, we have uh, you know, my, my co founder Max, we grew up together since like four years old. Mm. So like when it comes to productivity, sometimes that unfiltered rawness is the best way to like make momentum. Yeah. Where in like other jobs, you know, you may say, perhaps we should consider blah blah blah. Yeah. It's just like boom, you're right. No, you're wrong. Like, it's just a yeah. quicker game of tennis to get to a better output. So constantly thinking of how to wordsmith to not, you know, necessarily offend someone. That's how I kind of, you know, think of what you, you just said. Yeah, code switching. Code switching. Um, Playing the music you really listen to on the way to work. Yeah. Uh, Going to the company party and being like, this DJ ain't it. Yep, or yep. these snacks aren't it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or having having some of the stereotypes that we know people have about us. Mm-hmm. The angry black man, the loud black woman, the you know what I mean? Yeah. Those those type of things and trying even if that isn't even who we are as a person, trying to make sure we and don't overcompensate fit that. so yeah. we don't fit it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing we we've discussed uh previously on the show is is just like being that um, voice for, like, diversity and inclusion, right? Some people take that on, head on, and are like, well, if I'm the only black person or person of color or whatever it may be, I'll be the voice for that. And then there are some people who aren't comfortable with that. They're like, every time it's Black History Month, you're not going to come to me for the planning uh, uh, committee, you know? Things like that that are somewhat hard to navigate right when you're like i'm here to get a bag but i also want to enjoy the environment i want to enjoy my coworkers. i want to potentially make friends right that the things everybody else gets to do right yeah and so with that you know that's why at black tech talent we focus on community building right um our goal we set out to to do is is to be the number one community for black technologists in minnesota we did that nationwide we're one of the top and eventually we'll be the top and, you know, a lot of times still when pitching, whether it's investors, pitch competitions, a lot of people don't understand that proposition value of community and mm-hmm. the community that we've built. Because they'll be like, for example, well, what if the corporations just go direct to HBCUs? And it's like they've been trying. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the cultural impact is different. And another thing we do outside of placement is help with retention. So say they do, and you hire, and it's still not a culture fit at work. 
or you have people money. move to a new a new area that's not as diverse, right? We've had examples of people who came from Atlanta to Minnesota, loved the job, benefits, pay was great, mm-hmm. was ready to move home in a few months because they're like, I, I don't know anybody. It's hard to make friends. I'm not used to being in an environment where there's not an abundance of black people and successful black people. And their employers came to Black Tech Talent to help him join our community, right? Um, so there are different things like that that we put together. So when you look at, you know, what you've seen as far as, because you've been to a number of our events, yep, yep. big and small, when you've been able to come through and network and just experience that or, or participate, you were one of our judges for our pitch competition, you know, what have you seen when it comes to the value of that community? Where can I start? I mean, just the comfortability, bro. Like, you know, you go in there's like a, a, a line of code switch, not code switch. Yeah. You can just walk through the door and just be like, what's up? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> the things that come to mind is just fluidity. Yeah. Like, even when we're here chopping it up at, like, Fuel Collective, it's hard for me to leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to leave your team because there's you guys are not only productive, but you also just give a comfort, comforting environment to just be yourself while still kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. And that's what I'm by seeing what you guys have done and how you guys work outside and how you guys are editing film. Like, I want that for my company. Right. <laughs> and ironically, I started to build that, build that. And I think it was a, a you know, contribution to what I've seen, how you guys are fluid. You guys, the way you guys give feedback and it's unfiltered, Yeah. but it's all for the greater good of, of making it a successful company. So it's, it's a, the, the real question is like, how can that be replicated? Yeah. Right. And how can, if you got that now, and you go to employee 10, employee 15, you know, that's where my head is at because right now I'm happy, happy as hell with my company, but it's me and the co-founder. We got outsource team and it's how can we intentionally build that culture of people being comfortable and whether it's a customer success person that has a great idea and saying like, you know, they, they actually feel like they have a seat at the table yeah. and the egos are thrown out of the out of window. Definitely, definitely. And, and making sure people are fit they feel heard, they feel understood, the cultural nuances yep. we talk about, right? Um, we just had a guest on the show, and he talked about coming to my birthday, and he's like, man, I wish we like had professionally recorded it because we only saw D-Boys party like that, you know? You got yeah. three VIP booths back-to-back, but it's all entrepreneurs, yep. right? Successful black men and women partying, having a good time, celebrating life, and we're do we're doing it in a way that's fun, that's safe. But it the representation that you would have is like those people you thought were successful when you were younger, which were usually in the streets. Mm-hmm. Now we're showing you actual success, legal success, fun success, safe success, and and the fun we can have behind it. And those are some of the things as well when you talk about how me and the team create a comfortable environment for people to come have fun and chill but also feel like you're part of something exciting, right? Yeah, without a question. And, like, one of the big things that you kind of touched on in my childhood is that, you know, my parents sacrificed. They put three kids through private school. But I still had the mental image of NBA or bust. Yeah. And the only reason I got good grades was to get my mom and dad off my butt, but not thinking about, oh, I could be a tech CEO yeah. one day. Oh, I could be a Mike Jackson. I could be a Kelvin Johnson Jr. I could be a Jeff, you know, yeah. like... I could be the CEO of a turn signal. Like, 
that didn't occur to me until like once I figured out like, oh, shoot, I'm not going far in this sports. <laughs> right. Let me. Luckily, I still had decent enough grades, but you know, if you can instill that, like this is what we can do. These are the possibilities. Earlier in life, you know, maybe the amount of time you're 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 shooting 500 jump jump shots, you may be reading just the amount of time you spend you know shooting jump shots. You may be spending that time getting into a book or learning yeah. how to code. Yeah. So, yeah, so part of, you know, our mission with Black Tech Talent when we look at the long-term goal is that this stuff will become second nature. That's why we do stuff like the Community Tech Fest where... This is amazing. Thank yep. you, thank you. Where where you saw it was a lot of kids, right? It was a lot of parents brought their kids out. And behind the scenes, what was, you know, important for me and, like, amazing about it was we didn't... It's not like it was on a weekend, so it wasn't like it was. A, we got a bunch of schools to do it as a field trip. Or yeah. We really had to have our messaging down to get parents to bring their children out, even if the parents were not in tech, right? Yep. And so at the end of the day, to have that many parents show up, and some of them came to me like, I didn't know what it was about, but you said bring the kids, so I'm bringing my kids. Or I heard there was video games, and I knew my kid, like, you know, they want to learn how to make a video game one day, so I'm here. So to be able to get the kids to where they can be good at sports and be good at tech, and this both are just second nature. Yeah, it's not an either or. They might end up doing something completely different, but they know the basics. They know the opportunities. They know that route, and that's you know my goal is for our youth to come through our system, and in twenty years from now, to be able to be scouted by Google. Without a question. And what's interesting about how you, a lot of this stuff is about the how. Yeah. Right. And how you touch the emotions and trigger those emotions to get people to take action. Yeah. Right. And my parents did a phenomenal job of making sure I wasn't just a jock, but, but the, you know, like whether it was the debate club or I was in the choir, mom put me in voice lessons. I had a horrible voice. But it was just trying to like expand <laughs> yeah. out, like, yo, you're not just a jock. Yeah. You're a smart brother who has the whole world as your oyster. Yeah. And you know, if there was a black tech talent, like even my pop my pop was a tech CEO. Yeah. And I ended up doing that later in life, but as I was a child, I did, I, I kind of took that for granted. Yeah. Like I I didn't know I didn't have a I didn't have clarity as to like what entrepreneurship was and really how his sacrifice as an entrepreneur helped put three kids through private school, but I didn't get like, I found out that was cool on the back end. But yeah. imagine if you could fast forward at eight years old, nine years old. I remember going to his office at, you know, Rose Computer Systems and just, you know, being on this chair like this yeah. going around. But I it didn't, it didn't under, I didn't understand how cool that was in comparison to wanting to be, you know, Michael Jordan or, yeah. Al, or Alan Iverson, my role model at that time. Yeah. Which is nothing wrong with that, but to your point, it's both. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's not about convincing everybody that their dream should be to be in tech or to work at a tech company or to be a tech founder. The goal is for everybody to have access to that as an option. And awareness. And and and, uh, and it's the future. Yep. So you're going to be around it. Don't just be around it as a consumer. And also don't just learn how people are using it today, ideate how you could use it or improve on these platforms that that we're creating and that are being created. And so that's my long-term goal. I want, I want you know, Microsoft to reach out and say, hey, we've been watching, you know, Kyle 
Uh, we saw him, you know, when he was eight, and you highlighted him for building a robot. We saw at 15, he won your pitch competition. We see he's graduating soon. Like, how do we partner to get him a scholarship? Or, hey, we want to hire him directly. We know you're the, you know, you've been grooming them. So we don't want to disrespect you by going around you. Like, we want to work Almost like you. the recruiting process. I mean, kids are getting offers at like yeah. 11, 12, your verbal commitment here. But I see what you're saying yeah. is like, why don't we start that process a lot earlier? A lot earlier, yeah. And just the be, being able to highlight this journey, too. Yep. You know? Because innovate, at the end of the day, innovation breeds innovation. Yeah. So, like, even myself, I have a someday maybe business or weird product list. I, you know, we talk yeah. about that one yeah. cup hydration. Yeah. <laughs> I hate drinking water because whatever. Like, why can't someone figure out just one cup? Yeah. Right? But it's like when you keep thinking about those, boom, 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 innovation brings innovation. Yep. So I always encourage people, you got a notepad, something, you get a raw thought, write it down. Definitely. Set up time to review because you just never know. Definitely. And you don't know who you can add value to as well with your skill set, even if it's a casual skill set. Yep. Right? How many people take good photos but don't want to be a photographer, but when their friend has a clothing line or has a concert or has a product and they need to shoot, you got your buddy who bought a camera just messing around or yep. their parents got it to him as a gift and now they're shooting for you creating cool content that's not boosting your thing so it's an ecosystem thing right yep. right now it's a pipeline eventually it'll be an ecosystem you know that's the long-term goal and so you know it's it's i think what we've put together is very important and what you've put together is important in the sense of helping us communicate yeah um that message both literally with black tech talent you know the work you've done you've done with us but our people as well. You know, when part of the recruiting process when we work with people, I look at their resume first. I pre-screen them first. So I'm telling them if their resume is not up to par, but um, but because of what we're doing, I'm like, you're a great fit for this. We got to fix your resume. Yep. Those are the extra steps we take versus... But I, I love that recruiting. because, you know, I think where where we can do better as a people at times is... If someone, and I love what you just said, if someone's not either qualified or they're not positioning their greatness in a way that's going yeah. to get to the next step, we communicate that. Yeah. So if someone wants a, a job at, you know, Brevity, whether it's a, you know, a director of marketing or director of operations and, you know, our, our order is director of ops first, yeah. director of marketing second. And someone's uh, director of customer success is being like, hey, we're not there yet, but this is when we will get there. Yep. Let's stay in touch. Just making sure we don't skip the steps, especially when it comes to our own people. If I'm not yeah. qualified for a job, I love to know, well, this is what you need in your ex experience or expertise to be qualified for yeah. this job. So let's not leave people hanging because you can't move in a path without clarity. Yeah. So if I know that, you know, I'm applying for a, 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 you know, a software engineering job and they're like, we like to see one to two years at this type of place, give people that information. Yeah, Don't it's, leave it's them important. Hanging. It's very important to have that transparency because I get the messages, the I've been applying for everywhere, I give up, I've got, I get the uh, uh, one woman reached out didn't you know didn't know me just knew what, I, what we were doing and she was wanted to vent and she was like i apply for these jobs uh everything seems to go well until i get on the zoom and they see me mm. 
Now, is that the issue? Is it a racial issue? Is it a not qualified issue? Did you not do a good interview? That's not an interview I set up, so I can't answer those questions specifically in that situation. But for the clientele I do have, I can answer those questions Mm -hmm. because that's the role I take on. It's not just, oh, you're hiring. Okay, let me find somebody. It does or doesn't work out. We're working through the process. I've literally had employers where um, I've called them and prepped them for the client, just like I, I would prep a client for the for the for the job, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, hey, this person's a really great fit. Um, these are the things I think they would need to work on to impress you via this. But I'm letting you know to consider these things as well before you make a decision. And then I set it up. They take it from there, and if it doesn't work out, then we figure out why it didn't work out or if they went in a different direction. And some employers don't want to, you know, go through all that that system, but the ones we really work with and see growing into that pipeline and ecosystem, they're down for those conversations because they're not just hiring and saying we're willing to work with black talent and you could be a resource. They're saying we want to intentionally hire more black people at our company. And so we're willing to listen to you, meaning me, uh, about some of the things we can work on and some of the barriers me- we might have put up that we didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of the value we add. And that's part of the community approach we've decided to yeah. So it's very important. Like I said earlier, what you're doing, helping people pitch their product or their their company or themselves is extremely important because we don't get that training. No, no. Not at all. <laughs> you know? Not at all. Like, we don't we don't really get that that training, in, and especially on, like, how to be concise, right? A lot of people say too little, and then it's like you're very, you're unimpressed because you're like, oh, yeah, that's it? Yeah. A lot of people say way too much. But it's a sweet balance that even a, one of our, our newer pitch categories is called self-advocacy. Mm. So how do you pitch to get a promotion? How do you pitch to counter-offer? Uh, you got to offer at a job. How do you pitch that counter offer? I mean, I get asked these questions all the time. Yeah. Um, but how do you pitch yourself at a networking event? If you think about MBA students applying to jobs, how do you really differentiate yourself from the other candidates that are applying to yeah. Merrill Lynch? So what we're building is a unique DNA for all these. We've already identified over 84 different pitch types. So, and we're giving no different than TurboTax. We're walking you through step by yeah. step with a concrete example on the per statement level, but the entirety of the pitch. So you can be empowered for the whole different set of pitch scenarios when you got it. Self-advocacy is one of the most important traits yeah. in America, right? Knowing it's rare, um, you know, it's rare to just click online and get a job. Right. Based off of a job post, you either got to know someone. And even when you do know someone, you got to present yourself well. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, once again, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? I'll definitely be at your event. Once again, that's another successful episode of BTT Discussions, and we're out. This episode is brought to you by Sunrise Bank and Lifetime.